Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. This is David Massover, and welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. Today, we have got a great guest. We're talking to Don Markland, VP of Global Sales at 411 Local and the founder and CEO at Accountability Now. Don, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much, David, for having me on. I love the podcast. I love what you're doing from a, providing a, a vehicle for salespeople to get real. I mean, could you imagine when in our 19 and 20, when we were starting out, if we had a resource like this to get insider tips? I love it. And I appreciate what you're doing. Well, we're, we're really happy to have you on as a guest. There's a lot of great stuff I want to get to with you. But of course, we have to start with the traditional opening question, which is, Don, you've been in sales for a long time. What's the single best piece of sales advice that you've ever received? By far, the best piece of advice I ever got was... You know, I was brand new and I started out making cold call telemarketing to credit card uh, holders. I was trying to sell them membership clubs. In fact, it was... I could probably give you the script right now for $19.99 a month. I can get you uh, the Burpee membership plus 20% off at Olive Garden. I mean, you know it. Okay. And I adapted to sales pretty quickly. I was pretty conversational. I was outgoing and I, so I had a lot of connection. But I had a, a sales mentor named Greg Borland who said, Don, the most important thing that you can do in sales is keep your emotion in check and just stay persistent. Because even back then, this is before doing our call, right? I mean, we could, I could hammer you on the phone a thousand times and it could wear on you. But learning the, the technique of emotional balance and persistence, that has led me not only to great sales, but great marriage, right? Raising teenagers, everything. It's part of the reason I teach. I'm the president of the local chapter of the AAISP here. And we go and teach inside sales to high school students for free. So that's our big initiative because I believe emotional balance and persistence are skills that will better every part of your life. I, I love that advice. You know, we we all get accused of using sports analogies far too frequently, but I'm a big fan of of the NFL. And I always think about that when when you when you see somebody take a big hit, they get up, go back to the huddle, let's do the next play. Some big tragedy in the context of the game happens. There's an interception, there's a turnover, there's a fumble, there's some other somebody gets hurt, get up, go into the huddle, do the next play. And you know. There's a lot of other things that you could do, but if you are involved in some kind of a contact sport, virtually or otherwise, it's a really important skill set to develop. That's really fantastic advice that you got early in your career. And it's great that you're being deliberate about passing that on to young people. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it applies in every aspect of sales, even sales leadership. You know, with my role with 411 Locals, which shameless plug were the fastest growing digital marketing agency in the United States. But you know, I had a big initiative to try this whole new revenue channel. And you've done this where you get an idea, you try to build it out. We invested a lot of money in the, the hiring the people, developing it. Six months, almost seven months into it, it was a flop. I mean, this thing didn't work. And I mean, I was getting hammered on by other executives and finance, like, what are you doing? And I had to just take it, understand, 
keep my emotion check and persist, right? And then we applied a lot of those learnings into other portions of the business and grew by 30%. But you can't take your losses like that and let it just pull you down. You got to handle it, move, and stay persistent. Emotional, keep your emotions in check and be persistent. That's fantastic. Good advice for a salesperson or for a lot of different places. What's some of the worst sales advice that you've ever received? Uh, that one's easy. Is And it kind of goes in two things. Is One, it's the leads or it's luck. Okay, um, And I've seen great salespeople that put up great numbers. And you'll ask them, wait, what, you know, you've been in sales leadership where you'll pull your focus group or your top 10% and you're like, what are you doing differently? Whatever. And you'll always get that schmuck in there that says, well, you know, it's the leads. It's lucky. You know, I just get good people. And I mean, that, that's just asinine. No doubt in poker, the cards play a difference if I'm going to win. But how you play will have more of a determining factor over consistency than anything else. And that's the bad advice. People think, hey, if you get a lay down lead or something, well, look, a blind squirrel could close that. That doesn't mean you're good at sales. Good at sales is consistent over time. And so don't listen. And all your listeners out there, don't blame the leads and don't blame luck. When you are good, if you follow the right principles, you'll be good over time. Take some ownership for your success and be deliberate about doing what you need to do to get better. I love it. That's fantastic. So Don, you and I had a call prior to this episode and we started talking about a theme. And and one of them that came up is something that you've been really passionate and really articulate about for a long time with respect to sales and sales management. And that's this big, hairy word, accountability. (laughs) And it's always been an important word in sales. It's, it's, It's somewhat controversial in that not everybody applies it very well. Not, not everybody applies it at all. But it's really become even more relevant in this last year. We're recording this in, in April 2021, and there's been a lot of folks working from home. Let's dig into that a little bit. So accountability is a word that people like to throw around, right? I mean, it sounds tough. It sounds right. macho. It sounds proactive. Right. You know, but, but it's something that in reality, a lot of sales organizations just get wrong. So let's just start by kind of just framing what accountability is. Is it about being tough and surly and, and holding salespeople's feet to the fire when they miss their number? Or, or, or is there a different or better way to think about it? Good question. And you're so right. Sales leaders all over this world don't understand it because they believe accountability is when you screw up, I quote unquote, hold you accountable. And that's a bunch of horse garbage. Okay. Accountability is, and this is Bob Proctor's quote, But he said, accountability is the glue that ties commitment to results, okay? And if that is the case, then I need to hold somebody accountable for every decision they make. I need to hold their feet to the fire when they nail it and they do it right. I also need to hold their feet to the fire when they have opportunities or they've made mistakes. Accountability is keeping you accountable for the decisions you make on a consistent basis. That's what, in order to get you better. And the reason it, It's this negative connotation is because they only apply it when you screw up. I'm only going to talk to my people when they're bad. And I say, no, you hold them accountable and you call it that. Hey, I got to hold you accountable for something really quick here, David. You just sold three deals in a row and you followed the script and the process right on. I got to hold you accountable for that because that was great work. And people will be like, I don't understand that. I, I feel like I'm in trouble. No, I'm trying to tell you, you're responsible for your decisions. You did it right. 
So you deserve credit for the decision making. So a lot of people seem to have this idea that when the boss calls you into the office, you know, you're in trouble. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the boss's office. What you're saying is, right. you know, you really got to call people into the boss's office regardless of outcome. It's really about recognizing what's happened and unpacking that and, you know, giving support where it's needed, giving praise where it's needed. So it sounds like, you know, accountability as you define it was pretty misunderstood prior to the era of COVID. Oh, but, heavens, but, yes. But once people started working from home, all of a sudden, accountability was something that people started talking about more. Do you think anything about what accountability should be has changed yes. as, as we moved into the era of working from home? Um, I don't know if about the, what it should be has changed, but the necessity of correct application becomes even more paramount. And I hear this in my discussions, and I'm sure you do in, in your business, where people have moved their entire group virtual. I'll give you an example. With 411 Locals, we had close to 250 salespeople working in a building in the Philippines, Bulgaria, Mexico, and COVID happened. And we moved all of them virtual, 100% virtual. And people told me, Don, you're crazy. You can't put those areas into a virtual environment. You're never going to be able to, quote, hold them accountable. First thing we did, was outlined the, the accountability system, how we're going to coach, how we're going to talk, how we're going to check in, how we're going to chat, all these things around accountability. And because of those initiatives, the business has grown faster than it ever has by putting people at home, but it's really the emphasis on what accountability means, how to get people to understand it and to grow from it. Do you think there was something about the move to getting people working from home that had an impact. I mean, it sounds like accountability has been an important part of an organization that you're leading for a long time. What changed when people started working from home? So when people go into a virtual environment, they now start to struggle with two types of accountability that they didn't have before. When I was in an office, first of all, I had a place to go. I had a place to be. And I had a company-driven structure to my life. Even if I had some freedom as a salesperson, I still had, hey... You know, people can see what I'm doing, or I'm I'm here doing this, or whatever. There is some level of structure already provided. When you go home, now I don't have that structure, right? I don't have my daily like check in, see somebody in the in the hallway or something, and I don't even have the structure around what I wear. And so that lack of structure makes people feel like I'm in charge of my own accountability on those things. And most often, and you've seen this, when somebody's left to their own devices for accountability, they choose wrong, right? They choose, they choose all of us do, right? We choose, hey, I, I can either walk up the tough stairs or I can sit on the couch. Well, I'm probably gonna sit on the couch, okay? And that's where you need systems that reinforce it in every aspect. Uh, like for example, in, in our team, everybody that went virtual, we gave them a personal letter that I wrote that talked about, this is what it means to work virtual. These are the rules we're going to follow. I talked about my four C's of accountability principle. And then we talk about the structure they're going to live in, the clothes that they're going to wear, the checkpoints they're going to have. And they all had to sign and agree to this kind of decree. Or, hey, don't work virtual for us. We'll, we'll help you find a job somewhere else. Right. Okay? You, said it, you said expectations. That's right. And because they have that, and anybody that comes on board has the same document. And when they get that, they understand, hey, working virtual here is very different. I'm going to have to train every morning virtually and role play before I take my first call, no matter what. 
And these are rules of accountability that we create to build the best sales force that we've ever had. You talked about the four C's of accountability. I know that's something that that's uh, something that you've created, something that you've lived by. Can, can you explain what that's all about? Yeah, thank you. I was VP of sales in my mid-20s. And I was running a call center organization. We did a lot of sales work. And I was... Look, I was VP. I was reasonably successful. I was traveling a lot. I was probably traveling 20-something times a year. I had my beautiful wife, three kids, who I never saw. Okay, And all of a sudden, I realized I'm successful financially, but I'm miserable. I felt overwhelmed. I was about 60 pounds overweight. I was frustrated. I was stressed and sad. And I knew there had to be a better way. So one day, I was in a training room in Rock Falls, Illinois. And I just finished this training with this groups of people. And I just finished eating at my favorite restaurant, Taco Bell. Okay, I (laughs) hit one of those things. And as I'm sitting there, I realized I needed clarity. I'd read all the same books you've read and John Maxwell and all this stuff, but nothing seemed to strike strike true. And that's when I started thinking about this word accountability. There's got to be a better way for me to do what I say I'm going to do. So I created this personal mantra, this personal program for Don, the four C's of accountability. And as I created it, started to live it, so many things started to change in my life. I started to sell better. My team started to do better. I lost weight and I saw my wife and kids more and she luckily liked the thinner me. That was, a, that was an upside win. And as I started to teach it to my teams and they started to live it, everybody started to get more productive. And since then, I've used that four C's not only with every business I've worked with, like my last one where we grew up from 36 million to 90 million in three and a half years, all on this concept. I do it in my coaching practice with small businesses now and as well as with 411. That's what's the backbone of our sales team is learning the four C's and understanding it in the way you think, act, and live. So what are the four C's? Can you share that with us? Absolutely. Okay, that was a great teaser. I was like teasing. <laughs> I know, teasing. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to ask. hear, man. Yeah. Lay it on me. Yeah. The four C's, it first starts with two rules and then it goes to the four C's. The first rule is accountability always starts with me. I don't get to have a problem or a success or something and say, well, I'm going to look outwards. You always got to look at yourself first and say, how did I contribute to that? What did I do? Hold yourself accountable first before we start looking out with everything. I don't care if it's IT's fault. Chances are it is. <laughs> it's IT's fault. You got to look at yourself and say, did I communicate enough? Did I send them enough? Did I go over to their office and just sit on them and say, you're fixing this or else? Okay. Always start with yourself. Second thing, there are no egos in accountability. This one's huge. And again, I'm going to use a, a shameless sports metaphor. Okay. But in baseball, if I throw a pitch and you swing and you miss, that is a strike. And it doesn't matter if the umpire called it the strike or an opposing player called it a strike or fan and stands called it a strike. It doesn't matter. A strike is a strike. And so many times we get butt hurt and our feelings hurt because somebody called us out that was less than us or our peer or something. We'll say things like, hey, it's not your job to tell me where I screwed up or you do that too. You're just as bad. Well, who gives a freaking rip? Of course, it's hypocritical. Okay. And it doesn't matter. You still swung and you missed. Own it. Tell them thank you for having the guts to say something and go try to fix it and get better. Those are the first two rules me and no ego. And the four C's are even simpler than that. First C is we critique success. Whatever you do well, you stop and you attack it 
with rigor of how can I make this better? I just closed a $10,000 deal in three days. Great. Did you underprice it? Could it have been 12? Could it have been 50? Because you got it in one day. Could you, what, what can make things better? You'll never rest on your laurels when you surround yourself with a community of people that'll tell you the truth. Number two is you correct failure. When you screw up, we don't beat ourselves up and get in the doldrums. We correct the decision-making that was wrong. Right? You, you know this in sales. Most of your calls are going to be a zero and a rejection. Right? You're, gonna, you're just going to miss a ton. And your ability to keep your emotions in check, stay persistent, and make those corrections, right? that'll lead you to more success. That's why we correct failure. We don't punish it. Third thing is we celebrate growth. Hardest thing in sales and in life is choosing to grow, right? It's like when you go to the weightlifting, it's the last rep that mattered the most, the one that actually ripped the muscles. And so that was the one where a choice had to be made. I'm not going to celebrate when David succeeds because I expect David to succeed. And I will not celebrate you for meeting expectations. Okay, that is your job to be great. But choosing to grow, that is your choice. That's the hardest choice you'll ever make. And when I see that, I will celebrate the snot out of that. And the last one is crush mediocrity. In Florida, we have these bugs that are you know the size of a shoe, enormous. And when they come around, we have to take a, sh- a flip-flop and we have to crush this thing with everything we've got. Because I know if we don't, that bug is going to go tell all of its buggy friends, come to Don's house, hang out, Don's a wimp. So I want you to have the same <laughs> philosophy in your life. When you have mediocrity, whatever it is, it could be how you treat your spouse, it could be a vice, it could be just shirking on your calls. You get angry and you crush it with just everything that you've got. I must do this now, not I'm going to do this. Crush it now and you'll see massive results in your life. So as a philosophy, it's pretty hard not to get behind that. But what, what are some of the challenges that, that sales managers and sales leaders typically see if, if they try to implement these principles in their organizations out in the wild? Good question. Because it is a philosophy that's easy to say, oh, yeah, I totally agree. In fact, I've never met a sales manager that didn't say, oh, I love accountability. Okay, I mean, they, they, all, they all will say that. Of course you do. You'd be a fool to say it differently. Okay but how do you actually do it? So the first thing is about systems. So uh, uh, peak success, okay? We have a system. When anybody has a record-setting day or does really well, the first thing they do is talk about how, okay? Not the result, okay? We're not gonna, we're not gonna throw a party because you got a $10,000 deal. We're not gonna throw a party because you got more revenue this week than ever before. The first step is, okay, how did you do it? Walk me through the steps. And you'll determine real quick, is this critique success or correct failure? Because if they can't speak to the steps, they got lucky. Now we're going to dig in. If they can speak to the steps, let's go through it and let's find a way to make it better. Hey, next time, could you do this? Let's send the proposal out earlier. Let's make, oh, you went off script there. Why? Let's see if we can't do that, right? So have a system to review it. Second thing is around correct failure. When people screw up on your team, Resist the urge to just lay into them. Your first statement should be, hey, thank you for trying. Thank you for going after that. Now let's go through what you did and how dumb you are. Okay? <laughs> and I'm teasing, okay? But you should be very careful. Sales managers that are yellers or loud, and there are plenty of them out there that are very successful. 
they oftentimes discourage risk-taking and discourage people from going because they punish mistakes. Reward it first. Like, hey, thank you so much for trying. Thank you for failing quickly. Great job. Now let's talk through that. That's just a couple of insights around systems. That's what you train on over and over and over to put the philosophy into actual behavior. So that's a lot of really great advice. And it makes me think not only about sales, it makes me think about my role as a father. You have a lot of the same kind of opportunities when you have kids. You know, kids are going to make mistakes. You want them to keep trying. You want them to be open minded. You want them to push the limits within reasons. To kind of close out the conversation on accountability, you know, what did we miss? We, we talked about the four C's. We talked about putting them into practice in the real world. We talked about how to frame this. We talked about how to translate this when you're not in the room and setting expectations. If we just kind of wanted to put a lid on this whole subject of accountability, what have we missed? What should we make sure to include that we haven't touched on already? For all of your listeners, for anybody, for anybody that's kind of talking, you know, thinking about this, the first thing is you've got to surround yourself with what I call a cap, key accountability partners, okay? people that are invested in your success and are willing to tell you the truth. That's your step number one. And I don't care if you're like, you've had, you have listeners that are 19, 20 years old, brand new to sales. You've got people that are seasoned, all these things. Every one of them, including the managers, their first step should be, who do I have in my community and in my circle that's going to tell me the truth on my behavior? Because I can't, just rely on myself. Tony Robbins has coaches. Gary Vee has a coach. I mean, all these guys have people that do this for them. Stop thinking you're, you know, Superman that you don't need it. Get a community that can do that for you and it'll make a difference. I love that. This has been a fantastic masterclass on accountability as it really should be and how you can get more out of it than just thinking it's nothing more than yelling at somebody when they don't hit their little number. So That's I right. really appreciate you sharing your time and your thoughts with us here today, Don. If, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you, where's the best place to do that? The best thing is, and this is a shameless plug, is with my, my company, 411 Locals, we are starting a brand new sales affiliate program right? where salespeople all over the world, we have people signing up now to kind of... that want great, a great service to sell, a digital agency to sell, but they don't want to do all the work. They just want to build a great sales team. And anybody that wants to do that can go to 411locals.com. There's a whole contact form on there around affiliates. You can follow me online, executivecoach.don or on Twitter at Don Markland. And I'll tell you just the truth. I love what you're doing. And I think people, more people should sh- listen to what your podcast is about to get real. I mean, this is... Uh, real tactical information to be great at sales or sales leadership. There's just not enough people having that conversation. And I, I love what you're doing. And anything I can do to support you, you just let me know. Well, I really appreciate that, Don. And you know, the best thing you could do to support it is be a guest and pull off a great episode. And I think we accomplished that. So thank you very much. I will put all of that contact information into the episode notes so that people can reach out to you and and check out the program. And just once again, many, many thanks for sharing your time and your expertise with us today, Don. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, 
reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.